you're listening to the podcast edition of One Love, One Planet. Very happy to welcome into the studio Jess Gitcham from the Bristol Energy Cooperative. Morning, Jess. Morning, Penny. Thank you for having me today. Not at all, not at all. Before we learn about the um, Bristol Energy Cooperative. Can, just tell us a tiny little bit about yourself. Are you from Bristol? Or? Not originally. I'm a Lancashire lady, actually. Oh, are you? Yes. Okay. Um, although I'm starting to reach that point where it's getting close to living in Bristol for as long as I lived in uh. Lancashire. So it's that tip over point, isn't it? Um, so I moved to Bristol to study. Um, I did French and it was at un- university, actually, that I got into sustainability and and that you know for me really opened my eyes to to the wider Mm. world and not something I expected from a French degree so no no exactly there you go it's it's sliding doors isn't it it's Mm. um yeah so please tell us about the the cooperative the cooperative Mm. yeah um I mean in our end of things you could think of us a bit like a renewable energy developer because we are installing well so far it's been largely solar projects so solar pv um solar panels on top of rooftops um we've got two solar farms um but what's different about the way we work is uh, we're using energy as a force for good and um a bit like that clip you played earlier it's really important to put people at the heart of it mm. and with energy it's something we feel quite uh, sort of distant from like we 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 are all consumers of it but um changing that to be a sort of more engaged and proactive process so the ways that we do that um, are first of all you can financially invest in the cooperative that means that you uh, become a shareholder you get a stake in our energy project so you get a return on that investment mm-hmm. um, there's the other end of it where people might uh, locally can benefit from um, our scheme so by installing solar um, solar panels we uh, you know we receive a revenue for that we get an income um, but we uh, channel some of that money every year into community initiatives here in mm. Bristol through our megawatt energy grant fund. So, um, yeah, we're we're providing grants to local community groups, uh, which is a really fantastic way to use yeah, renewable amazing. energy. <laughs> fantastic. So this megawatt energy grant fund, yeah. do you want to say any more about that? How If people are listening, thinking, oh, yes, please, we'd like some money. Yeah. What? It's open. Well, it's it's open um, once a year, so it's usually around the March April time of year to right. look out, um, out for it, and it's um, managed by the Quartet Community Foundation. Um, and it, it essentially, if you're a um, a community group, and it, you don't need to be working in sustainability necessarily. Um, you know, everybody has energy demand on that, you know, mm. and so uh, if you're looking at cutting carbon in any way or perhaps running some sort of engagement project with people locally, um, then you could be a recipient of um, these grants and they're up to about £4,000, I think, the grants um, you can apply for. And are you talking about, um, do you have to be part of a group or could you just be an individual householder? 
No, it is it it's is groups. destined for groups. Yes, and yeah. schools could schools, schools do it? Yeah, we we had um, in this latest grant fund this year um, a, a school out in Portishead. Um, they've applied. To, uh, well, in fact, I think the, the students there are making helped make an application really? for yeah. uh, switching um, their light bulbs to LEDs. Um, so it's been like a sort of engagement opportunity Fantastic. as well as an energy saving opportunity. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, schools are absolutely open to, to doing that as well. Brilliant. That sounds so good. So do they need to do the application by March or does it the process open in March? The process opens in March. Oh, okay. So, okay. Uh, so a bit of time. That's it. It's worth looking out um, either on the Bristol Energy Cooperative newsletter or getting onto the Quartet Community Foundation newsletter um, so that you can keep an eye out for those grant opportunities. Mm, okay. Um, before we actually, because I want to move on to ask you about this big community array. Before we do that, though, actually, this is Joe Davis, who got solar power and I saw a post by her on Facebook where she was just so why isn't everybody doing this and I mean obviously the obvious reason for a lot of people is money but she was just um so sort of impassioned about how good it was so I asked if she would just tell our listeners uh, if she wanted to tell our listeners about her experience so I just thought it'd be quite yeah quite useful to play this so this is yeah Joe Davis We had solar panels fitted to our house in Henleys this July. We got our solar panels via Solar Together, which is a group buying initiative supported by Bristol Council. We waited about a year for them to actually be installed, and this July they were. So far they have produced 822 kilowatt hours of our electricity, which is about 82% of what we use. Obviously that was over the late summer and autumn, but I would expect to get around 60% of our use over the winter. I'm not exactly sure what the cost saving will be, as it's hard to work out what is going on with fuel prices at the moment, but our electricity costs are down by about 65%. Our system of eight panels and a six and a half kilowatt battery cost a little bit under £7,000, So at today's prices, that should pay us back in about six and a half years, less if prices continue to rise. But even without that, I am really pleased to be reducing my carbon footprint. According to my handy app so far, we have reduced CO2 emissions by 328.8 kilograms. The best thing about having solar panels is that the moment they were installed, we started producing our own electricity with no need to change anything else in our house. The impact was instant. Then I thought to myself, why haven't I done this before and why isn't everyone doing it? All I can see around me are bare empty roofs soaking up and wasting free solar energy. Imagine if every supermarket had solar panels on its roof and every office block and every factory. We don't have to use acres of farmland to produce electricity. There are acres of bare roofs we could use. Our houses in Bristol are largely older properties without cavity walls, which makes switching to a heat pump impractical without having external or internal wall insulation and changing our radiators and central heating systems. But every building has a roof. When I posted about our panels on Facebook, most people said they would love to have solar panels, but the upfront costs are too high. I did not have one person who said that they would not be interested in having solar panels, but the, the cost is prohibitive. So I couldn't help but wonder why the government 
who would give money off installing a heat pump that most older houses would not be a viable option, that if the householder could choose to spend that money on solar panels instead, then there would be a more affordable option for everyone and we could make a serious difference to our net zero goals. Thank you, Joe. Um, that's a very, it's a good point, isn't it, Jess, about um, getting subsidies for heat pumps, but it's a shame we can't get them for solar. Or do people, can they get them for solar? Actually, what I was going to say was, if, if people are listening to this, can, they, can streets get together and apply for a grant together? Would that work or does it have to be a single organisation? It makes sense for people to come together. Um, Yeah, I'd say both on energy efficiency, on solar generation, it's just, it's complicated. Um, Right. I mean, this is all about what, you know, this is what community energy is all Mm, about. mm. Um, I see. And there aren't sadly simple ways to do it, but there there are cost efficiencies to be made by streets coming together. Um, You know, you get... Um, it's scaffolding disc- you get uh, yeah, the, the installers coming along yeah. doing the job lot there, there could well be um, yeah. you know better ways mm. with the common economies of scale of course we'd love this to be a supported you know local mm. government national government mm. much more than it is um, it makes a lot of sense but yeah I think that something that lady sort of picked out there is just the opportunity that exists across the city with rooftops there's actually a, re- a really good statistic that um, the S- Centre for Sustainable Energy, um, that they, they ran some research on this. Uh, it was a couple of years ago now, but um, they identified that rooftops across Bristol have the potential for 500 megawatts of financially viable solar, but only around 30 megawatts have been installed so far, which wow. is only 6%. And yet there's domestic, there's, there's people's houses, although house rooftops can present problems with the angles and whatnot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's these enormous you know enormous rooftops um as she said the supermarkets the mm. industrial buildings mm. there's so much opportunity and what, once you're sort of you've got your eye on it you see it everywhere I bet you do I bet you do which leads us nicely on to the reason you're here in the first place because I saw I must have seen a tweet or a Facebook post or something about this new huge array at Bottle Yard. Can you tell us about this? It sounds very exciting. It is really exciting. Um, it is believed to be the UK's largest community-owned solar rooftop. Um, it, it's, well, in technical terms, it's just under a megawatt um, of capacity there for, for solar generation, which is, in real terms, uh, there's 2,380 solar panels and um, it it's going to basically have enough energy there to power the equivalent of 250 homes. Wow. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, you know, like a mini solar farm on a rooftop. It's a wonderful mm. array. And the Bottle Yard Studios, due to their expansion, they've got this new site um, down in South Bristol. And so, you know, the building was being renovated. Um, there were plans to put solar on the rooftop, um, but we spotted that opportunity, uh, the size of the rooftop, and by coming in and being able to finance that in our sort of clever shareholder model, um, we've been able to uh, triple the size of that solar array, which, you know, is what's needed right now. We need to use those opportunities that are there. Um, so we, we feel chuffed we found a, such a big rooftop. It's a council-owned building. They're delighted that it's being used in that way. 
Um, so did they come to you or you found them? Did you, how did that, how did it work? I believe, I believe we might have spotted the opportunity. I mean, we, we do, you know, speak to the council. We have a relationship mm. with them. But um, talking about that opportunity angle, so our project developer, Will, spends quite a while on, on Google looking at rooftops, you know. <laughs> it's, um, it, it, we do keep an eye out yeah. for these opportunities. When there's being a roof done or plans mm. for something to be redone, um, you know, we get in touch. Mm. We, we try to, to jump on those if we can. Fantastic. Yeah. And then you say, so did you have to, um, uh, you had to raise the funds. Mm. What do you do? Do you do, I, what do you call it when you get people to be shareholders? I don't... It's a community fundraise, yeah, okay. for, for community shares. Um, yeah, and, and we are quite well practised at these now. We've been doing mm. them since 2010. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they are... Uh, they require quite a lot of advertising and work to, to mm. get the message out and people can invest anything from £100 to £100,000 so it's a real big scale yeah. you know, of, of people that want to get involved in those projects the share offer um, it actually closed in June um, but it attracted just over 400 investors um, so there's a lot, lot of people that wanted yeah. to be part of that. And yeah. that, going back to that point about getting people involved and engaged mm. proactively, it, it, for them, it, it changes that relationship with energy. Absolutely. And being able to, I mean, £100, a lot of people won't have £100, but some people will. Um, and yeah, it's fantastic that they can um, invest in these kind of projects. And are, is something like this... Does it amount to more of a donation crowdfunder or are people sort of getting a return on their money? No, they do get a return, yeah. Wow. Um, the projected return for that um, share offer was 3.5%. Um, we're always looking mm. at those return rates. They've got to be enough to attract people, yeah. but we, um, as a community benefit society, we do, we're not able to offer, you know, very attractive rates. We can't compete with you know, mm. the sorts of shares mm. you might be able to, to buy in, mm. on the you know, standard yeah, market. Sure. It's a different type of um, uh, fundraise and people are doing it for social and environmental reasons. Yes, exactly. I was going to say there will be some people who have some money who will exactly, they, they're not in it for the money necessarily. They would like to make some. Um, but want to be supporting good projects as well. Are you likely to be doing any more? Have you got an, any other projects coming up where you'll be yeah, looking I mean, for support? That's it. We we are on a sort of non-stop scaling up uh, yeah. ambition at the moment. So um, we will be uh, running share offers probably um, next year. There will be another one. Um, we've got such a sort of scale of ambition coming up the number of community rooftops that we want to fund um we have uh, a new battery project that we've just um signed an, an exclusive what's that on. what's battery project ba- battery storage project so i'm not allowed to say an awful lot because right. we haven't sort of been able to publicize it too much but um yeah we're looking at diversifying away from just the solar rooftop right um, and battery it, Battery storage is a, an important part of mm. the way that, you know, our energy system is going to work. Mm. You know, yes, mm. solar and wind are, are fantastic, but they don't always run at the same time. We have to have that flexibility. Mm. Batteries provide that. Um, so there's a 
project here in Bristol that we're involved in. Um, and yet again, we'll get an income from that. It's something that the grid needs, so we'll you know we'll be paid for that. Um, so it's 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 really exciting. It's good, and we really look forward to talking about it a bit more um, in a few months' time. Good. So maybe you can come back on the show and tell us about it well, once it's happening. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you involved with the big turbine that Lawrence Weston are getting? That's, that... that's not our project, but it is a community-owned project. Yeah. And we, we do have a bit of history there. Um, so L- Lawrence Weston is, uh, you know, it's massively on the map now because of this mm. term- mm. turbine, but also because of the fantastic resident-driven organisation, um, Ambition Lawrence Weston, the, the work they've been doing over the, the last 10 years and more. Um, we started working with them when we built out our solar farm in 2016. Um, we were working closely with them and we had a partnering arrangement where mm-hmm. um, we gave them a big chunk, chunk of money. And, and since 2016, we've been um, giving them some money um, in a way that I described about sort of recycling those revenues from the solar farm. Um, that Some of that's been going towards Ambition Lawrence Weston. And it's, and it's helped to support them as an organisation. And part of it went towards um, employing a wind consultant. Um, and then once, you know, this wind turbine goes ahead, they'll be getting an income from that wind turbine um, alone as well. So, it, you know, for, mm. for, for what is, um, you know, part of Bristol that's had so many challenges, um, they are now standing really firmly on their own two feet, showcasing the way that renewable energy can provide them with a massive support mm. to help that community. I think mm. it's, a, it's a positive story that mm. we could all take. Very much so, yeah. No, it's fantastic. And I just got the feeling, it, it seemed like there were a few individuals there who really possibly seemed to know what they were doing. It does help, doesn't it, if you have people who maybe are from the industry or whatever, who it's that expertise, isn't it? But if they're helping to share that expertise yeah. as well, that's a really good thing. Mm. Um you have also did have you also been doing work with Bristol Beacon what have you been doing with them yeah this is another rooftop project um so Bristol Beacon is a another council building um but the music Bristol Music Trust um is inside the building and similar to to the Bottle Yard Studios in the sense that they had some plans for solar array we came in with a proposal um to to install our solar on top and um manage that and we I believe we've quadrupled the size from what was originally planned um, on the beacon. So, um, again, maximising... So you're upping the ante all the time, aren't you? (laughs) We really are. We see the opportunity. Um, And, yeah, that that will be, uh, I believe, um, installed next year. Um, But it's fantastic. You know, I don't think many people know the other work that goes on at the beacon because it, it, yes, it's a music venue, but it's Mm. also a music charity and they welcome... Um, 30,000 young people a year into into various different you know arts and music programs mm. um really kind of extending out to, to the wider Bristol community to to support them through the arts I think mm. I think it's fantastic mm. what they do there mm. yeah fantastic um it's uh, it just sounds so good um are there any other things that you want to tell our listeners about um, it was some of your listeners, if they know a bit about Bristol Energy Cooperative, might be aware we're also um, developing a hydro scheme on the Avon. Oh, um, okay. Which is the Netham Netham Weir Hydro, um, and uh, w- yeah, it, it's 
it's been a long time coming um, and there's so many hurdles along the way with doing an inner city hydro scheme like this but we're hoping to get that over the line next year as well so again watch this space there's there's an awful lot going on but um yeah each project brings its own challenges and we've not done hydro before so um how interesting how interesting and i was thinking if people want to get involved with the cooperative presumably you advertise do you have job vacancies coming up every now and then or you know how does that yeah we aside from sort of our investor members um yeah we we need skills like any organization Mm. and we are small so um it was historically volunteer run yeah. we now have paid roles and yeah we we do have job ads coming up every now and then mm. we've had a couple of interns in this year um from UE, which has been really like really helpful but also fantastic for us to kind of have an office full of people which yeah. has not really existed mm. before um mm. and there's volunteer roles as well so we've we've got different volunteers helping us out in different capacities um so yeah of course if anybody is interested in what we're doing um I encourage everyone to to get onto our newsletter list, look at what we're doing mm. on social media, see see if they sort of like the look of it and then get in touch because um you know a cooperative is all about its people and we need mm. um we need help with that um and welcome it. Um, yeah, fantastic. It sounds like you're doing really good really good work. I mean, I saw a thing uh, it was a piece about, I think, energy in Denmark. And there were two di- diagrams of the sources of energy production in Denmark 30 years ago. And there were like three big circles in the country. And now, today, there are like loads and loads of areas of production. It's fantastic. Mm. And that's the way it needs to go, doesn't it? Mm. It's that sort of democratisation of... And, and we won't be beholden to countries like Russia, and and at the mercy of of global politics either so it's so valuable so thank you so much hello welcome to my weekly eco tips a little bubble of positivity and possibility in a world where it can feel hard to make a difference this week plastic free shopping a huge hooray for zero-waste shops and supermarket aisles, where you can refill your own containers instead of buying dry goods in plastic, and even refill liquid foods and detergents. This is super easy for me because I've got two brilliant shops within about a 10-minute walking distance. They are Preserve and Scoop Away, both on Gloucester Road. But there do seem to be more and more opening in response to demand all over the place. I know Preserve has got several branches over Bristol now. A little bit of retraining and building of new habits is needed to shop like this, but I think it's worth it for the warm glow that you get from refilling your containers and your jars. And it's also had a huge impact on the amount of plastic I throw away. Actually, it also isn't all that hard to make a difference. Um, At the moment, Westminster is full of people who are doing exactly that. So um, this is just a little bit of support um, for Just Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion, both of whom are out in London all the way through October. Please do check out their websites and their social media pages to find out more and consider finding out for yourself just how good direct action feels. Thanks a lot. Hello, it's Linda Aspie here again. Welcome to my top tips for managing climate anxiety and eco-distress. 
So today let's have a look at looking after your mental health by using and getting out in nature. There's an increasing amount of research over the last few years to show the beneficial aspects of being outdoors. Many of us will have discovered that during the lockdown period of COVID, of how starved we felt when we couldn't go outside. And even a tiniest little space can make us feel really connected. There's lots of ways in which nature can help us to feel connected and restored and actually to reinforce our commitment to a better life and to our mental health and well-being. From it, we can gain a, a peace, a sense of peace, feeling at one with something bigger than ourselves. It also can improve our confidence, our concentration and restore our energy. There's lots of research showing that when we do certain things, we actually interact parts of our brain that have been a bit idle and we are finding that there are ways in which we are communicating and plants are maybe communicating with us through various chemicals in the ether which are helping to soothe us and make us feel connected, including smells, for example. So the smell of earth is something that's found to be very beneficial to human beings. And the, th the reasons why we don't quite know yet, because they're still being researched and it's very, very complex. But think about that. Everything's got a smell to it. So how do you feel when you stand in nature and smell the trees, smell the earth, smell the mustiness of the falling leaves on the ground and maybe the softness and the feel and the sense of touch? So it's really important to be in nature and not just to walk through with your headphones on, although that can be useful. It's a good time to listen to your podcasts and your books, but try and be in nature listening to everything, to let all your senses really come alive. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? What's the wind like on your skin? What do you smell? What's your intuition telling you? So where you can get into a green space, whether it's the park, whether it's the woods, whether it's just a little small patch somewhere um, in a, by the canal, even a courtyard, it's very, very positive, even a roof garden. Um, so, and it also, of course, helps you to be active and that will certainly help you to manage any feelings where uh, you're feeling distressed about what's going on in the world. So part of that is being physically active as well when you can. It doesn't mean that you have to go for a run every day. Just five minutes a day in green spaces has been found to improve your mood and your feeling of self-esteem. If you can, find yourself a quiet place where you can sit down. You don't have to move all the time. Just sit down and let yourself relax and breathe in and let yourself stop for a while. And you can, you can manage this in your own way, but also by linking it with some mindfulness exercises where you really focus in on being present and on your breath and you keep bringing your attention back to how you're breathing, to your environment and your body. And it can increase also feelings of compassion towards yourself and to empathy. And being kind to yourself is a really, really important part of looking after yourself. So that's my top tip today. Get out in nature wherever you can, whenever you can, even if it's only five minutes a day. Good luck. I will be back next week um, talking about sortition, which is basically citizens' assemblies. So until then, bye-bye.